You are listening to the Health and Wellness Connection Podcast, the number one wellness podcast designed to provide the latest information to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. Our show features exciting guests, the latest in medical research, and in-depth discussions in current trends on weight loss, nutrition, and fitness. No matter what your interest, the Health and Wellness Podcast has you covered. And now, presenting your illustrious host, Dr. Barry, M.D. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Health and Wellness Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Barry, and I am so excited you're here to join us today. Um, we are just kind of in the groove right now, guys. First off, I want to let you know, um, you know, I want to apologize for the show's kind of kind of irregularity, if you will. I'm actually on the road, and I have been traveling the past few weeks. Currently, I am in Nigeria, a little country in West Africa that's kind of been uh, in the news lately. But yes, I'm here traveling. I'm actually from this location originally, so I'm coming to see family and friends and having a great time, actually. If you guys follow on Instagram, you would have seen pics that I posted, a couple spots I was at, you know, in and around Lagos, one of the uh, largest cities in the world, actually, um, and kind of where I was hanging out. And I had some pretty pretty amazing time, um, hung out with some cool people, made, uh, made some new friends, met some old friends, and it was a good time. Currently, though, I went now to the country, which I'm going to be posting some cool videos to of later. So please, guys, follow me on Instagram if you aren't right now, at DrBarryMD. Also, guys, I do have a TikTok as well, at DrBarryHealth. Um, please follow me on those both platforms. I'm going to give you a little heads up, guys. I do like TikTok more, so you're going to probably see more content on there. But either way, we're going to be posting a lot of content from my travels, from the food options. You know, totally this show is going to be about all things that help promote a healthy lifestyle, including travel, including food, including fitness. You know, all those things that are very important, I think, for um, proper mental health and overall general health. And I'm going to make sure we let you know some of the benefits of some of these things. So either way, I'm currently in Nigeria um, and currently actually... I'm in the east in a small state known as Abia State, and we're here just kind of hanging out, um, and I'm actually kind of trying to take some notes of some of the cool herbal and, and um, you know, different fl- fruits and things you see that aren't really common in the United States. So I'm going to make sure I record those. We're going to make a quick video. So follow me on TikTok if you aren't already, guys. Follow me on Instagram if you aren't already. TikTok, it's at DrBerryHealth. Instagram, it's... Um, at Dr. Barry MD. And of course, you can also email me if you like the old school way of communication. And that's drberryhealth at gmail.com. Okay, guys, so let's talk about some of the latest topics that have been kind of um, in the interwebs uh, as of late. And I know I've had some requests too from people saying that, hey, Dr. B, why don't you talk about all the news, not just health, because there's some other stuff that you need to talk about. I want to hear your opinion. And we'll see. I, I'm trying not to get too far off of the, the health and wellness focus here, guys. But if there's something pretty crazy going on in the media, we may also discuss it too, just because it's relevant. Now, I will not be discussing fight videos or any kind of salacious videos, especially if it's not important. And uh, celebrity videos also don't interest me. But if you do see something that you think I should comment on, please, guys, you can send it to my email and I'll look at it and we'll go from there. So let's talk about the big thing that I saw. And I also tweeted about this as well, guys. My Twitter, of course, at Dr. Sorry, it's what is it? I got too many freaking social medias. It's Barry Health Tech Doc. Hold on. It's Dr. Barry Tech Doc. 
That's D-R-B-A-R-R-Y-T-C-H-D-O-C. That is the Twitter. So anyways, guys, so let's talk about the first story that really came to my attention. I thought really needed to be kind of discussed at length here because it's kind of really what we've been preaching this entire time, especially when it comes to nutrition. And that is ultra processed food. And uh, what is now being discovered even more so, we've already hinted at this, there's already been data pointing toward this, but here's the facts, guys. A new study out of the UK, the United Kingdom, is showing that ultra-processed foods is really, really being almost now synonymous with cancer. It's, it's crazy. Ultra-processed foods are now being shown to really, really increase the risk of cancer in people who consume them regularly. And so this is really kind of something we've always suspected, but now we have a really powerful study that's really showing that there is a true, strong link between ultra-processed foods and cancer. And when we say ultra-processed foods, we mean foods that are heavily processed, you know, from the original form. Um, a good example would be, I don't know, ready-to-eat um, microwave dinners that you can just put in your microwave, pull about in two minutes, is ready-to-eat. That's ultra-processed. Anything that, you know, essentially when you're in a grocery store, in the center of the aisle, packed with preservatives, coloring agents, dyes, all sorts of things that are designed to have it exist on shelves for months at a time and not spoil. You got to remember, guys, when you're eating food, right, and you see food that sits out and you can be out there all day and night and nothing is messing with it. Because, you know, when something, quote, unquote, spoils, that simply means bacteria and other, um, you know, organisms are eating it, you know, and they're kind of reproducing and causing issues. Now, for humans, that's disgusting. You won't eat something that's full of mold. But those mold, hey, they, they want to reproduce, too. So they're going on there trying to get their nutrients and reproduce. But obviously, as humans, we don't want to be consuming all these other parasites and crap. So, you know, we want things preserved, but the reality is that these preservatives are extremely dangerous for biological matter. Now, ultra-processed foods are known to have a lot of these preservatives. That's one of the main reasons many believe that they are potentially cancerous. But new data is showing that that link may be very, very real. All right, so let's talk about the data. You know, we always like to talk about numbers and, and data here on the show. And, you know, we, one thing we always talk about in regards to studies is that studies are very different. Not all studies are created equal. Some studies can make grand proclamations, but if it's not really meeting the criteria, you can't really put too much weight on that data. Now, this study, I think, is very good, and let me tell you why. First off, um, it comes out of a good institution. They're doing good work out study out of the UK, actually, um, and this is some researchers who have looked at the um, UK Biobank database. And this is one thing I always talk about a lot because the biobank database is something that's very good and has been, I think, excellent for research looking at trends. For those who don't know what the biobank database is, this is essentially all the people who go to health hospitals in the UK, right? They're part of the National Institutes of Health, NIH. This is their health system in the United, in the United Kingdom. So the United Kingdom, of course, is a government-run institution. So I know all the uh, <laughs> right-wing um, leaning individuals are probably holding their breath, but no, just one second, because what they're doing is that they're collecting data on everybody and actually using it to create better health practices. Now, hopefully they're not invading people's privacy and whatnot, um, but usually what the data bank is, is allows researchers to have access to the data so they can create and look at trends. And so what they've done, they um, some researchers out of the UK, actually the Imperial College of London, you know, we try to give respect to the, the docs out here doing the research. So Kiara Chang, Dr. Kiara Chang out of College of London in the UK, they looked at over 200,000 people, right? So that's a very strong data set. A lot of people, you can really make some pretty strong associations with those kind of numbers. 
So what they did, looked at 200,000 people, right? And they looked at their food consumption, what they've been reported to have eaten, uh, what was their diet type over that, you know, assessment period. Then they looked at those same people and their presence or diagnosis of cancer. So people who had reported a lot of processed foods, they then looked at these same patients over time and saw what kind of illnesses they were being diagnosed with. And what they found was that those who were eating more than 20% of ultra-processed food, no, sorry, more than 50% of ultra-processed food were ending up having high incidences of cancer. And the cancers were all types, brain cancer, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, uh, stomach cancer. Um, you have all kinds of issues. Of course, they also had higher risks of obesity, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular disease or heart disease, heart attacks. So, you know, it's just showing that, you know, and of course, because, you know, they didn't actually isolate everything else and only have ultra-processed foods, you know, they were potentially engaging in other dangerous activities, and that wasn't accounted for. Um, but they found that, you know, those who were eating a lot of ultra-processed foods, usually more than 50%, they're saying, I mean, which is pretty outrageous. If you're eating, you know, microwave meals and, you know, snacks and chips more than 50% of the time as opposed to whole raw foods and vegetables, you know, it's really, really, you know, unhealthy. And that's one thing people have to remember. Calories are important as well. So if you're eating one packet of some some food and it's in the calorie, you know, level that you want to be in, that's good for helping minimize weight gain. But again, the processed nature of the foods has been now linked to increased risk of cancer. So uh, you want to be careful, guys. Um, you know, ultra-processed foods, while they're convenient, I mean, it's nice to have that two-minute and have a full meal <laughs> after microwaving. But it may be better to go and buy your meat, you know, spend the time, spend an hour or whatever it would take to cook that food or find someone else who could do it for you and try to, you know, reduce the amount of super processed food that you're consuming on a daily basis. Now, if you're really in a time crunch and you just cannot wait, you know, um, and this is one thing two people have to understand about, I think, food. A lot of times you pay um, when it comes to speeding up the cooking process. I know it sucks, but, um, you know, it's one thing how, you know, before... Microwaves were a big thing, right? Everyone had to, used to use um, stoves. Before stoves, you had fire. You know, you had big old. You had to make a fire. You had to go and actually get firewood. You know, it wasn't very easy to get a whole fully cooked meal. Now you can literally Uber Eats and <laughs> order hot meals to your door every five minutes if you want to, or for the next twenty-four hours. But historically, you know, you had to go out and hunt food, prepare a fire, cook it, get the grains, prepare those. It may take two, three hours. Now the food will be excellent. And it'll be probably very organic, very natural, very healthy for you. But it'll take some time to repair. So because of people's just impatience, if you will, they're like, we got to get it quicker. We gotta, I want it now. The I want it now mentality, I think, has really helped promote this ultra processed food phenomenon, which is now relating to this cancer phenomenon. So I think we got to kind of put things in perspective, guys. Um, ultra processed foods are very convenient, of course, but there are just so many now links we're seeing to cancer and heart disease and strokes and everything else. Um, I think we have to really be careful on what we're putting in our bodies. And ultra-processed foods are a huge, you know, issue in my opinion. Now, that being said, you know, I'm not saying all foods should be banned. People who have decided to eat something, even if it's not the healthiest thing. But just know that there are a lot of potential risks with high percentages of ultra-processed food consumption in your diet. So hopefully you'll take this information and do what you will. So the next story on the, the uh, agenda here. We're talking about some of a new recent scandal that just broke in Florida regarding fake nurses being run amok. Now, 
let's talk about the story first and not, well, then we'll discuss what may have led to, I think, this and kind of what do we need to do as, you know, healthcare workers as well as, you know, users and to try to protect ourselves. So essentially, there was a huge scandal in Florida recently where they announced that there were 25 schools operating in the Florida area. And they saw that um, they were actually selling nursing degrees. Now, this to me is scary as heck because the nurses are some of the, 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 the mo- they're really the most important foundation of a hospital as far as how it functions on a day-to-day basis. Without question, nurses are there every day. They do the, the heavy work as far as moving people around, making sure patients are taken care of, checking on things, making sure orders are executed. Um, so it's really critical that a hospital have strong nursing staff. With, with strong nurses, you can really, I think, uh, achieve a lot and get a, get a lot of good outcomes. So to me, this is very disturbing. You know, you have a situation here where you have schools essentially selling nursing degrees to people willing to pay a certain amount of money, between fifteen dollars to $10,000, for these transcripts, which show that they had associate's degrees in nursing which now enables them to go and sit for the board exam for nursing. And shockingly enough, um, they believe that that um, over like 7,000 people were given, no, 7,600 actually, were given fake degrees, and 2,800 of those people actually took their board exams and passed, meaning that they're now working nurses in the United States, So, which is very disturbing. I mean... It's kind of, kind of, you know, which shows how people are passing these tests without actually going to school, which is kind of a thing in itself. Who knows? They had fake tests, but what's going on? It's really disturbing. But the the fact of the matter is, there are over three thousand nurses. Well, not over a little under three thousand nurses who were able to get a fake degree and then pass the board exam and are now working in the hospitals, most likely in the Florida area, but they may have left too because, you know, well, probably in the Florida area because usually the board exams they're all state based, so they pass Florida boards and they're probably gonna be in Florida. Um, but, um, you know, and that's something my nursing buddies can let me know about as far as the boarding stuff, how that works. There's an international or a national board exam or a state by state. But ultimately, they are boarded nurses um, and they are um, out in the hospitals doing their thing. So it's very disturbing. And I think people already been discovered. Few people have been um, have been uh, found and and apparently prosecuted. It still leaves thousands of fake nurses out here interacting with patients, potentially harming people. So this is pretty disturbing. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we get higher than this 26 that they've caught so far. But the reality is that if you are, you know, especially in the Florida area, um, and you're in a situation where you're in a hospital and you feel the nurse doesn't really know a whole lot or is very kind of, uh, you know, lacks kind of basic knowledge and things like that, you know, this is a time to really look closely at reporting people if you think that they're potentially doing things that aren't correct. I know, and as as a regular person, it's really tough because this is what the board exists for. It shouldn't be up to patients coming in to determine whether or not the staff they're working with is qualified. But um, the reality is that this is something that people have to do now because of this fiasco. But hopefully, the um, the, the prosecution and people who are out here are supposed to be finding these people will find them and determine, make them uh, you know stop and return their license or invalidate their, their licensing. But the also thing that I think led to this is because there's a huge lack of nurses available, guys. People don't get it. That's why I always laugh. People say, oh, COVID was a big bonanza for the healthcare industry. Oh, my God. They've... But you don't understand how COVID was such one of the most devastating things for healthcare, healthcare industry, healthcare workers. We had scores of staff, physicians, nurses quitting because of COVID-related illnesses they have contracted, 
to potentially just devastating scenes they saw in hospitals. I mean, it was really a very miserable situation during the height of the COVID epidemic. I mean, people coming in, dying left and right. Um, a lot of sick people, a lot of people who just, you know, were doing great one day, next minute on their ICU deathbed. And this was a regular everyday thing. I mean, I talked to people and the amount of, you know, trauma that they went through as far as, you know, dealing with the death and the, the, the just the misery of the COVID period was something else. And I think that's something that will probably be written about. And I'll, it didn't come close to the plagues of, of the ancient periods, but I think it was pretty, 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 pretty darn up there. It's up there. It's one of the big things between the flu epidemic of the early 1900s that killed millions. Um, and then you have the the plague that killed millions in the, in the I, think, I want to say the 1800s. Now, don't quote me on that, guys. But essentially, it was a, it was a pretty significant time. And because of this horrible COVID kind of epidemic, you had a lot of people quitting. A lot of nurses, some passed away, some just quit. And so you have huge, huge need for nursing staff. So all the people who are young, don't know what to do. Go to nursing school, you'll get money fast. Now, again, I'm not saying nursing is the best career, but it's a great career and uh, it's, it's, it's a high demand for it right now. So much so that they're even hiring fake nurses. So <laughs> that should give you, you know, some, al- some tips on, you know, careers that potentially could be in high demand. So ultimately, I think if we will, more people get nursing who are truly into nursing and we don't have this super high need for new nurses, I think, you know, these, you know, these scam artists, opportunists who are creating fake nurses out here for quick money, I think will be will have less opportunity. So hopefully, you know, we get more people going to nursing so we can get more legitimate trained nurses who are able to treat patients and, and, and help, you know, because there's another epidemic coming. COVID, I think, is waning. It's still there, but it's waning. But, you know, biology is one thing. It always mutates, always changing. So we could be dealing with super COVID part two and <laughs> Who knows? I don't know who came with it, up with it. We'll discuss that at a, pre, a future date. But if we assume it's mutating naturally, it's going to happen again. So let's let's go ahead and, um, you know, try to, you know, if you see a nurse, point them out. You know what I'm saying? A fake nurse. It's not a nurse. Sorry. <laughs> if you see a fake nurse or you suspect a fake nurse, go ahead and write a report. I mean, I'm all for like, you know, writing to the to the hospital. Hey, I think this nurse is, you know, <laughs> fake. What's going on? <laughs> now, don't be abusive with it. But especially in the Florida area, guys, be sure you're you're on your p's and q's about um you know your care when you're in the hospital to make sure you're not you're not victimized okay guys so let's move on okay so we know social media has been on the news lately um as someone who's a parent of um a preteen uh girls i'm definitely you know you know monitoring social media as well very closely and the reality is that you know there's been a lot of controversy regarding social media and how young kids should be um how, how young you should be allowed to be to be able to be on the app. And so, of course, the, the one that's quote-unquote designed for kids, which is TikTok, which is complete hog, hog, hogwash in my opinion. It's definitely not for kids, but they try to push it as, as a kid-friendly app so much so that it's actually, um, they say 12 years and up, or sorry, 13 years and up is uh, what they recommend for TikTok users. And so we all know TikTok, while it's extremely popular due to a lot of the information that's being spread on there, the funny videos and memes, there's a lot of questionable, disturbing content on there. And uh, we also, you know, here in the United States, or <laughs> even I'm currently in Nigeria, but ultimately, you know, with the United States and their issues with TikTok and saying that it could be some sort of, you know, um, what, they, what would they say? It's a it's a app created by the Chinese government to harvest information, <laughs> which is wild speculation at this point. But, you know, who knows? And the reality is that there's been a lot of controversy behind TikTok. And so there's been a lot of people looking at it from an administrative standpoint. Um, you got lawmakers looking at banning TikTok. You got now the Surgeon General saying that 13 years old is just way too young. And this is something I actually agree with. 
Uh, TikTok has a lot of adult themes and messages on there, so it's probably better suited for adult people. But they're saying that now, 13 years up, it's probably not, you know, you know, 13 years old is probably too young for TikTok. And they're thinking about considering maybe, you know, recommending restrictions so that this is something that's enforced. Um, because research is showing that teens are susceptible to cyberbullying and serious mental health impacts from social media usage. I think it's not even just teens. Adults are also becoming crazy about social media, and we can all see that. So imagine the kids who are still developing their young brains. They don't really have a lot of, you know, ability to process things. I even have a friend who's like, who bans her kids from even using tablets. And, and I, you know, at first I, I used to mock mock her like, like tablets everywhere. But the reality is that social media is, is something that I think is so pervasive now. And it's really affecting the lives of everybody. I don't care how old you are. And I think in a bad way, because people are becoming way more toxic, interpersonal relationships are suffering. And I think social media is a huge part of that. So the last thing I think we need is kids, you know, kind of getting into that, you know, mindset at a young age when their brains are still developing, their personalities are still molding. And uh, yeah, so, um, you know, hopefully this is looked at closer. But I think, you know, social media is probably more for young teens, maybe 16 to 18 and up when they're kind of more, you know, more solid. I wouldn't say they're fully there yet as far as their personality, but I think it's definitely a, a better time to introduce, you know, people to the crazy content you have on social media. So either way, uh, this is just more of something of a social commentary on this part, but I think something everyone, parents especially, should look at as far as what age their kids should be on these social media apps. I think um, the days of, you know, kids not having phones and tablets is kind of a thing of the past because of the world we're in today. Um, having your kids being able to be contacted is, a, is a very important. And so, you know, they're going to have their phones, but you want to make sure we're, you know, minimizing exposure to social media until they're older. So that's just my opinion. And hopefully you have any, you know, other opinions, please reach out. Let me know. Thanks. You know, rough conditions in the hospitals and the different healthcare environments across the country. Um, it seems that workplace violence is becoming one of the biggest reasons workers are starting to quit. And I think that's another reason, another thing behind the healthcare workers and the mental health situation and this overall mood and, and stress levels being at their highest points due to all the different things we've been going through, especially with COVID and everything else. And it shows that workplace violence is at some of the highest levels it's ever been, especially in the healthcare environment. And this is really in regards to physicians, nurses being attacked by patients. So, and I think a lot of this is, is very concerning and it's showing that, you know, it's, it's, it's five times the amount of violence against any other workers. Now, I don't know if police are involved in this, but, and then that stat, but according to the Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, attacks against healthcare workers have increased 63% since 2011 to 2018. And, um, they say it also since the focus, since the pandemic has been really um, the focus now, nearly half of U.S. nurses believe that violence has increased as well since the world shut down. So it's funny, like people are saying, oh, the nurses are our heroes and they, you know, have a talk of good game. But it seems like once they get to the hospital, they're being very rude, abusing staff, fighting staff. And this is really concerning. Um, so this is also another reason why you have nurses quitting and now in come the fake nurses. So it all connects, guys. So we got to be very careful how we move out here. But here's the reality, guys. They're saying that and this is not actually even America only. This is a global thing. And this study that I'm referencing, Violence Study of Healthcare Workers and Systems. And this is done by Dr. Rahul Kashyap. 
Um, so and they use they actually were very, I think, um, it's a very novel approach. They actually went to different healthcare systems, looked at the data from the different areas. They looked at the United States, looked at India, looked across Asia, the Middle East, South America, and they kind of reached out to talk to different healthcare systems and kind of did questionnaires. And if they had done questionnaires, got that data from them regarding healthcare workers, and uh, looked at you know the pre-pandemic you know v- version of these healthcare workers, and then they created another survey that they sent out to different healthcare workers across the globe um, to ask them about their feelings and whether or not they had been attacked. And uh, pretty, pretty, I think, uh, impressive kind of way to collate information from all over the globe. I think with the internet, this is what we can do now, and it's, it's very good. So ultimately, they said that of the people that they looked at and got um, interviews from, 5,000 people across the globe, different healthcare workers, they said 73% of all these people face physical or verbal violence while in the hospital, right? So this is 5,000 people out of, you know, a bunch of people across the, the globe, which is, I think, pretty good because they went to different parts of the world. So if you get, you know, 30 countries and you get people from every place, I think that helps diversify the data, creating a stronger, I think, a general kind of information set you can pull from. Now, only 5,000, so it's not a very, very strong, but it's still, because we're just talking about opinions and experiences, I think you can definitely still use the data and make some potential um, conclusions. So they saw all these people who responded to their survey, 73% said they had faced verbal and physical violence, or physical violence, sorry. 48% felt they were less motivated to work. And 39% said they believed the amount of violence they experienced the same as before the COVID pandemic, and 36% said that they believe the violence had increased. So a lot of people complaining of increased violence, less motivation to work, um, and just very kind of concerning signs. So, you know, guys, if you get in the hospital, you see a okay worker, you know, be nice to them. Be, be, they're not here to typically take advantage of you. Now, if you're in Florida, you know, all bets are off. Do your research. <laughs> but if you're outside of Florida, do your thing. You get to the hospital. Guys, treat your healthcare workers kindly. They're there to help you. So... So I just want to say all of that because I am a healthcare worker. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. So you see me, you're probably not going to be super aggressive because that's when we stop ASAP. <laughs> now, that is not, uh, I'm not going to say anything violent is going to happen, but we have our ways to reduce some of that. And just one quick thing I want to actually mention, too, because in the emergency room where I work, it's actually pretty common to have violent things happen. People come in very aggressive. It's, you know, kind of a chaotic environment sometimes. And people get stressed out. Now, that being said, I strongly recommend you don't you know, attack an ER worker because they have a lot of medications to neutralize the threat, if you will, if you, if you get my, my point. So you want to be careful um, just being violent to the uh, hospital staff. Uh, you know, they um, can do things that, you know, you wouldn't really consider and you probably won't like the results. So be kind. And uh, I think usually good things will happen. <laughs> Guys, so now let's talk again about these weight loss drugs. We talked about them last show. And uh, the money is rolling in, guys, and it's going to keep rolling in, apparently, because people like to use them. Now, what's the new weight loss drug I'm referencing, guys? Well, for those who don't know, there's been a new trend now in the weight loss industry in drugs that can help mimic some of the diabetic hormones that can promote bodily functions that help promote weight loss, right? So we everyone knows what insulin is, right? Insulin is a hormone that's designed to help the body digest sugars, helps the body, you know, um, you know, increase stores of fat and essentially promotes growth. Now, insulin is also 
the issue in diabetics because they lack insulin and it has to be replaced um, so that they can help digest food and have their metabolic functions function as they should. But there's been a new focus on that insulin, which has kind of been the main focus of diabetic management. But now on some of the other hormones in this system that help regulate blood sugar, especially those that actually help promote breakdown of, of fat, promotion of, of burning of or using of, of sugar to help reduce your overall levels of blood, your overall blood sugar levels, which is it's been associated now with decreased levels of weight gain or increased levels of weight gain, I should say, and just overall weight loss and just improved. So guys, the next topic on the docket is the weight loss drug phenomenon. Now, we talked about some of these already, particularly there's a new class of weight loss drugs that's on the market that's being promoted that help kind of alter your body's biochemistry via hormones. And this is um, kind of the new thing now that's been shown to be extremely effective for weight loss. Now, everyone knows about diabetes. For We've, had it, we've known for many, many decades now where we've been treating it with a drug known as insulin. Now, there's a new... One thing about insulin that we've found out is that insulin, while it also helps promote you know, your body's metabolism of sugar, so when you eat sugar, helps your body you know, break it down and metabolize it, it also promotes weight gain. We know this because people who are on insulin tend to gain weight over time. It's believed that insulin promotes many metabolic functions that promote increased fat, increased you know, mass, weight gain. Now, the problem is that people don't like being overweight. <laughs> so we, there's been a push now to figure out how to get people to lose weight. And it's found that some of the other hormones in the whole diabetes or blood sugar management system your body uses can also be used to achieve the opposite effect. Now, one of the big ones that was recently approved for weight loss is Wegovy or semiglutide. And it actually affects the others, other systems in this blood sugar management system that your body has. And this is known as, and this receptor that Wegovy attacks is the GLP-1 receptor. Now, um, I don't want to get too in the weeds here with the, with the biochemistry. If you want to learn this, you should probably go to... <laughs> organic chemistry class, but keep it kind of, you know, easy to digest. These receptors that this drug at attaches essentially goes and affects the areas that affect appetite regulation um, in helping the body, you know, keep the blood sugar levels lower. So you have less appetite cravings, you have a, a you know, less desire to eat. It basically attacks your hunger and it helps break down blood sugar. So this is very, you know, positive if you want to have weight loss because, you know, it actually helps promote your body to break down as fat stores to help, you know, reduce some of the stores and reduce your appetite as well. So it's it's a pretty powerful drug. And because of this, and it's, you know, hormone focus, which means it actually helps the body change your body chemistry, it can be very powerful. And people have been losing weight pretty drastically with this medication. Um, Typically, most patients who do this with diet and exercise can average about two pounds a week. So it's going to be very effective if you're looking at you know, looking at losing weight and keeping it off. Now, because of this, um, many celebrities are on the on the bandwagon now, um, promoting a lot of these medications. Uh, Wegovy is the one that's been approved for weight loss currently, and there are other ones that are on the docket. But this has been used amongst diabetics for many years. So many of these diabetic medications that 
or previously designed for diabetes management and managing blood sugar for diabetics is now being used for people who just want to lose weight. Um, um, Monjaro is another one. Um, Ozempic is another one. Um, and there's a lot of different medications that are available now. So it's something that, you know, you really need to talk with your doctor if you're interested in using them. But um, they can be very effective. A simple once a week injection you take, you get, it's like giving yourself an insulin shot, essentially. So very simple. And it can help with craving management, reducing caloric intake. So if you're someone who uses this to reduce your cravings and then you start focusing on diet and exercise, you can really do you know pretty effective weight loss for those who are especially not interested in surgery. So because of these, you know, really positive things, if you're looking at weight loss, especially people have been using them and they've been very happy with the results. And you see a record sales of pretty much all these medications that work in this manner. Uh, now you have drug companies who are seeing this trend and they're actually dumping in money. Eli Lilly is actually one of the latest companies who um, were pr- makers of the, of the product Manjaro, which is actually another uh, medication that still uh, works in this similar um, blood sugar management area. And they actually are about to put a half a billion dollars into manufacturing more of this Manjaro. So Trulicity is another one. They recorded $5.5 billion in sales last year. So there's big money in this, in this, uh, in this weight loss drug. And, of course, your companies, including Goldman Sachs and other investment firms, are taking notice. So expect to see a lot more of these medications being pushed on commercials and television. Um, now, that being said, these medications are not without risks. Um, people have developed side effects from them, including nausea, vomiting. Um, there's also been reports of thyroid cancer and another phenomenon known as rapid aging. Now, this is something that is more kind of in the uh, the rumor mill at this point, but there has been reports of people looking like they're aging faster. We talked about this last show, so I don't want to get too much into this, but ultimately there are some side effects. So go and you do the research, guys. Talk with your health care professional. If you're someone who's looking for someone um, to give you some advice, especially if you're in the Texas area, um, you can reach, reach out to us, healthiswealthwellness.com. So either way, um, this is going to be, I think, something we'll be obviously following as we are into the weight loss and all that stuff. So all the new f- developments, I think, are going to be important. We're going to keep making sure we let you know about them. And if you want really close management and we can actually see if we can do some things for you, reach out to us. We can get you set up for a consultation. So that being said, guys, I've been talking a little bit now. Um, I am going to log off and I want to thank you guys for checking out the show. I'm seeing all the great new people checking us out. The number is going up. So we're excited. Please guys share with your family and friends. This info here is, is, is good. Um, we're trying to get the info out and a share um, is going to be really appreciated. We got the YouTube show on deck, giving good footage out here. So when that goes live too, be ready to um, share and tell your friends and fam. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a great year. So either way, thanks to guys for listening again. It's your host, Dr. B. I'm here uh, to hopefully bring you good information that you will use and maybe, you know, improve your life, improve your friend's life, or just, uh, you know, keep it to yourself. But don't be, it's not good to be selfish, all right? (laughs) All right, guys, I'm checking out, and I will see you next time. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to the Health and Wellness Connection podcast and radio show. For more information on ways to get healthy, please check us out. www.anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. Here you can re-listen to the show, check out older shows, and even further support the show by becoming a subscriber to the podcast. Please check us out today. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. And also, don't forget to follow Dr. Barry on Instagram at drbarrymd. Until next time, stay healthy.